nine to fives are going to, they're going to change. We're going to see the reshoring of manufacturing jobs and the offshoring of skilled, talented ladies. Welcome to the Superhero Academy podcast. I'm your host, Archangel. Ladies and gentlemen, people of, well, everywhere, the world. I mean, I don't know where you're tuning in from, but I am back in the saddle. Uh, it is spring 2022. We have emerged out of the, the, the depths that was winter and lockdowns and curfews and a lot of weirdness around here, uh, particularly after there was uh, some passports and some other things that obviously created a ton of tension. Uh, we've had a very, a, a, what I would consider almost like a maple spring. I mean, I know they used that for the, um, ironically, they called the maple spring for the students and the students are now protesting again for free, uh, um, uh, education here in Quebec and in Montreal. But I, I want to, you know, zoom out for a second and just say that I am super excited for the 2022 season at Valhalla, at the farm, if you don't know what Valhalla means, at the farm that we have, 88-acre property, south of the South Shore of Montreal. I feel like I have a broken record where I have to say this a thousand times over, but it's crazy because I tell this story a thousand times over and people still have the question, where is it? Oh, I thought it was two hours away. Like, it, it, it happens every single time. Now, I'm looking over to my left here. Um, you're right, I guess, um, because Kyler is in town, so... We've got Kyler in the studio again. Now, for those of you who don't know, and we're going to dive right into this topic, um, you know, Kyler came on as a podcast producer last season. He was here the entire time, actually, for every episode. You, we haven't filmed an episode remotely. But, no, not that time. Yeah. Not that time. But we are now going to be doing production completely remotely. And so that is the topic or the opening topic of today's podcast. But first of all, Kyler, why are, why are you here? Because I love you, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we had a couple projects that we were working on. Mm -hmm. And funny enough, we were working on them remotely. We're doing content production. I moved to BC, British mm -hmm. Columbia in Canada, the West Coast. And we started working on these projects 100% remotely over Zoom, strategizing, making content. And it's amazing. We'll be touching on the tools that we you know use to make that. But... We're here because we, we have so much going on. I wanted to see you. It's been a while. I moved, you know, a little bit at the end of last year, end of the season. And we want to make sure that we really set up this season to be a powerhouse, to be valuable for you guys, and to show you guys how we're doing what we're doing and how we're, you know, changing cameras and how we're producing content at scale. It, yeah. It's like honestly unbelievable how much we're producing and how much we're making behind the scenes, which we're pretty excited to show you guys. But that's kind of what we were doing in a nutshell as a quick overview. There's been a lot of things we've been doing, but that's a little bit of the... Well, the I mean, the, the, the quick answer is that we are making uh, sponsored content for two brands, and those brands are kind of engaged. Um, we're, we're engaged to do marketing support, but a bunch of other stuff, but there are actually two brands of tools we actually use to produce our podcast remotely. And that's the beautiful thing. I, for a long time, if you've been watching this podcast, you know that I've been producing multi-camera angle content with a tool called Cinemaker. Now, you, you might have known that we're doing the multi-angle. You didn't know Cinemaker, right? So Cinemaker 
is a live video production studio tool. It allows you to basically bring in iPhones or iPads or, or, or DSLRs or any camera with basically, or most cameras with HDMIs, I have to say. I have to get all the freaking talking points in, perfect. Um, but no, but honestly, it's the, the capacity to bring in multiple angles and produce content with updated angles, bring in layers, bring in stuff, bring in remote guests via Zoom, which we're doing, we did for the first time uh, today, actually. We recorded another podcast episode with a very interesting guest, and I'll get to that in a minute. But I think, um, obviously, Cinemaker is a game changer. I've been using this well before. I was working with them or being paid to make sponsored content with them in any way, shape, or form. Uh, as an actual tool of, over the years. And you know how uh, the proof of that? Uh, you can watch my podcast over the last few years and you'll know. <laughs> so um, it's just a tool that I, I, I truly see as disruptive. I, I, I want to, you know, as somebody who's a professional videographer for a long time, uh, I just know the shittiness that comes with being in the production studio or an editing room is a better way of saying it, editing bay, making that work happen. Now, we got in a new laptop, which is amazing. I'm really excited about that. Um, the new laptop is incredibly impactful. It is going to enable us to, you know, do all the things we want to remotely with the M1 Max Ultra or whatever it is now. It's not even an Ultra. It's an M1 Max. Oh, they just um, came out. I know. They're just coming one. out with the Ultra, which oh is like the God. doubling it up. It, it, isn't that the worst thing ever, by the way, when you buy like a new thing and then all of a sudden the next thing comes out immediately after? It's like, but I have to wait three months to get the goddamn laptop because, of course, we're still living in a world where supply chains are completely disrupted. People are still working remotely, although a lot of people are going back to the office. Um, but I think that the pandemic has accelerated a trend that I, nobody's talking about. So we're going to talk about it here today. I think, and oh, by the way, I want to mention the other tool that we use is AnyDesk, right? AnyDesk is a remote access software tool. So it basically enables two devices, right? A laptop and another laptop or a cell phone and another laptop or whatever it is, where you could use one to control the other. So you, Kyler in his, you know, fancy Chilliwack uh, new home uh, gets to chime in from his studio right into my studio right here in the story story. And he controls the computer, does all the camera switching, does all the editing on my computer while he's completely, he's like 5,000, I keep saying 5,000 miles. I have no idea how many miles it is, but across the country, the continent, okay? Um, Legit the other, across the Literally country. in the West Coast of the, of the country. <laughs> so the point is, um, we use these tools. Remote, access software, any desk. We use Cinemaker to do this podcast, you know, do this stuff. And we're going to use them in conjunction to also not only live edit Cinemaker piece, right? You switch camera angles and doing different things like, one, two, three, and four, if you want to go that far, right? The screen, and we can go up to eight angles, but also to do it remotely and remote edit it too. So what do I mean by that? What is the difference? Live editing means that we're switching cameras and live while we're talking, we're editing the entire piece of content right here and right now. Now, I think that that's incredibly disruptive if you're filming courses, you're making video podcasts, you're making content, you want to make multiple you know, pieces of content for multiple platforms. Well, I've got a whole mini course that's coming out that's free. That's why we're here filming it, a bunch of stuff that's coming out on all of this and, and both platforms, both on Cinemaker and on AnyDesk. And they're two different courses with two completely different topics. Uh, but that, that overlap or that kind of meet one another a little bit um, in that. And doing it remotely by using AnyDesk to then open up Premiere on my computer and actually just 
without even having to transfer any files over, everything is done here. So I could go out to the farm, film a bunch of stuff on an SD card, like on this DSLR over here. I'm a Canon guy, so on a Canon. Put the card into this computer in my house without having to upload it to the internet, and then he remotely comes onto my computer, edits a bunch of stuff. I could be sleeping or on the couch or doing whatever, watching Netflix, and, and, and then when he's done, logs out, leaves for the day, and I have everything already access, accessible so I can start publishing it and doing that kind of stuff. And of course, he can publish it too, right? But I think that that trend, well, obviously the pandemic promoted remote work. Obviously, the pandemic accelerated the process to getting to remote work because we realized that not everyone had to go to the office to actually do their job. But what also happened is then we created this wage inflation where everyone's salary started to skyrocket. Now prices are starting to skyrocket. But as we add a little bit more, um, you know, some points to the debt, aka we get off the floor at the Federal Reserve or the Bank of Canada, as we add, you know, more and more and more interest to the debt that many, many, many companies have survived on, two things are going to happen. One, we're going to run out of tax dollars because everyone has losses in 2020 and 2021. Many companies do at least. Not everyone, but many companies. So the government is not going to have as many gains in revenue and it hasn't in the last couple of years and it's not going to as we file this year, right? 2021, in, we file 2021 in 2022. And then they're going to carry forward those losses for some time. So the government's going to need ways to make more money. And that means they're maybe going to print more money, but then wages have increased drastically, right? Now, not as much as they need to because inflation is also skyrocketing too, so that's another problem. But guess what companies are going to have to do to make up that gap and to cut some of that debt, that free money that they got access to? Well, they're going to have to cut somewhere. Now, what are they going to cut on? They're going to cut on marketing expenses requiring customers? <laughs> I don't think so. They're going to cut on the people who are doing the marketing, possibly, right? Are they going to cut on, uh, you know, uh, their rent? Well, is rent going to go down? I mean, maybe. But how else can they do that? They're going to do it with labor. They're going to cut jobs if they can. Right? If I can automate your job, wouldn't I? Right? Wouldn't, like, if I could take a job that I'm paying a bunch of people money for and then make it automatic or done cheaper, easier, faster, more reliable, doesn't take days off, doesn't have a kid and, and, you know, take mat leave or pat leave or whatever the fuck you want to call that, right? Like, isn't that easier? Wouldn't you, I mean, come on, seriously, wouldn't you automate the job? Well, yeah, of course. It's, it's, uh, everyone would. You'd save a bunch of money. Everyone's going to have the incentive for automation, period. Like, there's no ifs or buts about it. So if there's no ifs or buts about it, then I think that we're headed towards an economic scenario, very likely to potentially have a small recession or a large recession, by the way. But we're going to enter a scenario where people have to pay back that debt and all these government programs are coming to an end and people are going back to work where all of a sudden, I don't know if I want to pay Bobby $80,000 an hour to do a job that he used to get paid 50K an hour for, right? I don't know that I don't want to outsource that job particularly, again, in the world of remote content production, I'll just speak to that. It'd be way cheaper for me to hire, uh, I'm going to say Ukrainian, 
Because why not send some love their way? And I actually did hire a Ukrainian this week on Upwork, which is ironic because I have a photographer that needed help doing some stuff and, and we wanted to do some composite photos and I'm not going to tell you about what, but you'll see the photo come out one day. But the, the point is that we hired someone from abroad who is cheaper. Now, in this case, I hired a Ukrainian, showed support, right? Short support for the Ukrainian people. We're going through a lot right now. But I could have easily hired somebody in India or Bangladesh or Vietnam to do the work. And if that work can be done remotely, completely remotely, and when I say completely remotely, they can film and edit without having to have even the fastest Wi-Fi, and they don't have to have the expensive computer that you need to have. See, Kyler's computer back at home, and not to dig on your computer here, Kyler, but it's not that great. <laughs> like you're gonna rather well, he'd rather it remote to your brand new M1. It's mine is not even not M1. even close. Not even close. It, 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 it's not even close to the level of speed and, and opportunity. And this will save you a lot of time. So which one are you gonna edit on? You're gonna use your current like computer to tap into my computer and edit on my computer. It saves me a cost too. Six thousand dollar price tag for the maximum everything to on buy the your own Apple equipment. computer. Yes, you know because it's so what's the next logical thing? Right? Like right now, I'm hiring the Canadian Western privileged person who's going to charge more money than the Indian, and I was an Indian, India, Indian from India, right? Person. Most likely. Why? Because the cost of living in India aren't the cost of living in BC. So who do I have to pay more? And is one person better at the job than the other? Well, maybe. I'm not trying to say that Kyler could be replaced by an Indian tomorrow, <laughs> but it could be. Like, it's possible. So do you think that companies are going to have the incentive to go down that rabbit hole? To say, wait a second. We just came back. Everyone got their jobs, all these other things. The subsidies are going down. Now we have to get competitive again because we don't have free money pouring in. We don't have like 75% of people's wages being paid for by the government somehow. Like, that's why the wage inflation also rose because there was... Serb money, right? Serb in Canada was like free money because if you lost your job to COVID, blah, blah, blah. And I put quotation marks because a lot of people didn't lose their job to COVID. They just quit and they just left and then got the free money, right? Because they were getting paid more doing that than they were getting, a, you know, a part-time job. So why not, right? But now all those government programs end between now and the end of 2022, roughly, in Canada at least, okay? That debt comes back. Like that debt's going to start to come, have to come home. And that debt will get more and more expensive if some of them bear interest. And if some of those don't bear interest, you know, it'll go whatever. But the point is, the interest rates are going up because they have to, because inflation is super high. They have to. And we're going to see a reverse tidal wave, I think. We're going to see the reshoring of manufacturing jobs and the offshoring of skilled Talented labor jobs. Mm. I look, here's a stat that I, I and I, I, you can fact check this. Actually, we'll bring it up. Um, it, it, I'll say it and then we can find it. Actually, you put, bring it up. You just type it in as, as I say it, okay? The number of jobs, the number of engineers that graduate in China versus the total number of engineers in USA. That, there are more people graduating in engineering every year in China than there are engineers in all of America. But, it, but here's the thing. As a real stat, 
okay? There are more engineers graduating this year in China than there are engineers in all of America. At some point, when they speak really great English and they understand really good stuff, and maybe China's not the one you believe in. Maybe India is the one you believe in, okay? Maybe it's another country you believe in. But maybe it's, it's in Dubai. I, I don't care. It's not about where the job is. There is some capacity for your jobs to shift drastically. And I think we're going to see the reshoring. I mean, the war with Russia and Ukraine is saying, hey, we need to like make our own energy again. We need to make our own stuff again. What, what about the masks and all the stuff related to that or, or, or vaccine um, uh, production, uh, PPE stuff, right? We have so many of our drugs are dependent on being, uh, you know, uh, manufactured elsewhere. So we're going to see reshoring of stuff like that, chips, global chips, right? Uh, uh, the um, uh, semiconductor chips that where there's like, there's this whole potential thing with China and Taiwan and, and everyone else. I mean, we're going to have to reshore that. That's, that's why Intel's doing it. I think it's somewhere in, in uh, you know, in the, what they call the Rust Belt or whatever, right? Point being, we need to consider what that means for your nine to five. I say your nine to five. Maybe you're watching this and you're an entrepreneur. Maybe you're a freelancer. Maybe you're creative. Maybe you, you know, maybe you're a farmer. I don't know. But nine to fives are going to, they're going to change. I think that we're going to see a shift in 2022, the beginning of it. We've already seen the beginning of it through COVID. Now we're going to see it in 2022, 2023 quite powerfully. And that can disrupt everything. If you can remote produce content quickly, affordably, and easily through systems like Cinemaker and AnyDesk, it's amazing. And you could do it with better and better and better kind of cloud-like software recording multiple angles who re-edit later and and then use and then I was even saying this with Cinemaker and it was by the way this is like patented Cinemaker by the way if you use this idea it's mine Um, no there should be software facial recognition software so it knows when I'm going from this camera to that camera and it should automatically be done right so over time between automation reshoring and the, the need to bring now talented Work and I say talented work. Not that, not that blue collar work isn't talented. It's actually more talented, in my personal opinion. Okay, we'll get into that. The farm. We'll actually talk about that in five seconds here. But um, I'm talking about like what is called professional work, like white collar work, will start to outsource itself to other countries, and they can don't need to have the best infrastructure because that is why they didn't like it wasn't going that route because we were sending manufacturing jobs and they didn't have the infrastructure. Didn't have the good internet connections or an internet connection at all. And even if they did, they didn't have the right computers or computing power. And that's still true. But if they could start connecting to your computer and working on your computer, they don't need that power. It's like connecting to a giant Google supercomputer, just like we do with AWS, right? Or, or servers. We don't need the power to be in our computer. We could just connect to the server, connect to the cloud. So that trend is going to happen. And how you invest with that and how you go about that, well, the first few podcast episodes this season are actually our next episode is going to be Vince Guzzo, who's a dragon on Dragon's Den. 
right? So for those of you who don't know, it's, it's a precursor to Shark Tank. It was actually stolen by the Canadian side of things, and Mr. Wonderful is on that. But, uh, but Mr. Sunshine, who's Vince Guzzo, comes on, and we talk a little bit about investing and that kind of stuff. We talk a little bit about the politics of what's happening in our world, how we're polarizing a bunch of stuff. Again, you could go check out that episode. But I think we're going to shift and change. So if everyone else is zigging, how are we zagging? That's like my, my like, by the way, this is my, like, tagline for 2022. Everyone else is zigging, we're zagging. You're going to hear that a lot in season eight. <laughs> you hear that a lot in season eight. So, so, okay, but what does that look like, right? Everyone else is zigging towards metaverse and NFTs and all this other stuff. Okay. I'm interested. You know what I mean? It's interesting. I don't think the metaverse, I think the metaverse is just nonsense. My personal opinion. Maybe I just sound like an old man now. <laughs> You know, but I, I, I think that while everyone else is running in that direction, I want to run towards decentralized power on the land, incubating ideas, stepping more and more and more into investor role and taking more and more kind of applications or pitches from people and then just seed funding the money or angel funding the money, meaning all right, I like that idea. I'm going to angel fund it, but all the equipment stays here at the farm. And if it, if it works, then we'll figure things out as we go. But for now, let's get it off the ground and here have some loyalty to the farm. I think that's where the farm is going. Decentralized energy. So I'm saying the farm. The farm this year has a lot of stuff going on. If you, again, don't know what I'm talking about, Valhalla Farms, 20 minutes away, 88-acre property, it rough, um, that we're turning into an eco-village that with the farm at its core, okay? We are producing our own food, power, you know, bringing up our own water. We're restoring and regenerating soil. We're doing all the things that are, you know, popular out there, and but we're really doing it. We're building an actual ecosystem, both biologically and like in the soil. And also I would say socially uh, between its people and, and I'm treating it like we're incubating plants and we're incubating talent and jobs and entrepreneurship and creative ideas, right? And we're making all of those things merge on the farm. But now what's happening is we're getting to a point where I cannot manage all of these things because we built a full outdoor kitchen, which we're upgrading still, and we're adding a bunch of stuff. We now have like a better washing station. We have covered spaces. We're planning on building um, big geodesic domes potentially, or some spaces to host better retreats, um, gatherings, uh, you know, homeschooling. I, I mean, a million ideas. Yoga, both indoors and out. We're going to be doing men's circles, which is another episode of the, you know, we're going to have another uh, guest coming on the podcast uh, later tonight, but will come out in a few weeks called Malcolm. This is my brother who's uh, one of the brothers who um, is helping me run something called Mail, uh, Mail Montreal for the moment. But the, there's so many gatherings. There's so many ideas that we want to bring to the forefront and how do we incubate both plants and those ideas at the same time and how do you do that in a decentralized kind of like um prove it kind of way where people bring their ideas to the forefront i can obviously give my advice on what those ideas look like and and if of course if i'm bringing in my own money then i get to choose what i seed or what i don't seed but then as the community grows and the community funds grow well then the community starts to self-fund and it starts to perpetuate its own power structures. 
And so we've done this before at Valhalla, but we did it what I would consider to be ineffectively. Because I truly believe that most eco-villages function best or, or operate best when they get to the stage of having a benevolent dictator that people trust that then decentralizes that power and steps out of day-to-day -day operations in certain scenarios and then steps in to support certain key things. I'm particularly good more at the storytelling side of things, the legal side of things, and the finance side of things. Okay? Am I the best farmer? No. Am I the best guy builder? No. In fact, many of the things that the farm is like really exciting about, I'm not necessarily the great, the best at. Now, I'm really good though at like another episode that's coming out uh, right after the Guzo one, which will be garlic NFTs, for example. I'm able to rethink how we finance the farm because farms, again, the reason why there's centralized power in many businesses is because there needs to be centralized finance, right? Because like, where do we get the money to plant the garlic, to do the thing, to sell the garlic? Because you only make money in farming once a season when you harvest. Now, if you're doing a multi-polyface farm kind of thing, right? You're harvesting in different times, different things at different times, nah, 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 I get it. But in our case, we're heavy on the garlic, for example. Right, we're, we've got 55-ish thousand in the ground. We're planning on going to 100, 120,000 in the ground at the end of the season, so for next season. But how do I finance that? How do I disrupt that? How do I get the money now so I can have people help pull the garlic out of the ground without having the money today? And how do you, a startup farm, or somebody who wants to get into farming, how do you do that too? And uh, Kyler, do you have an answer? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right nobody has the answer so i thought real world asset nfts and so there's an episode dedicated to germ and i germ is a artist uh you know uh, re resident of the farm uh been involved since day one he's a, you know uh, when i say an artist he makes art in two formats of you know visual physical art uh, canvases those kinds of things obviously digital art uh, and also comedy and so we we bring together my finance and legal background, really supported by my father as a tax lawyer and entertainment lawyer. So we understand this world of NFTs, decentralized finance and all this stuff and make it fucking real. Like everyone's like, NFTs, a bunch of things. This is dumb. There's so much dumb shit out there. Like, I, do, do I think you should buy NFTs? Not dumb, not dumb NFTs. I'm not going to tell you which ones are dumb or which ones are smart. Not here to be your financial advisor. Although if you freaking wanted to hear what I think, then, yeah, I do have a text line over here. You like how I slipped that in there, right? You just text this number. I do have a group where I share some updates about the farm, and I also share my thoughts my, for me about what I'm thinking about in terms of investing, and I'm planning on doing a lot on the show. But the, the, the thought here is that we need better ways for people to have ownership in a community and better ways for people to feel like this is really theirs and they have a legal right to it while scaling at the pace that people can realistically afford. Like most people cannot afford to buy a giant farm and do what we're doing at Valhalla. So it, what happens is that prices people out. And the way farms have been structured traditionally is that they're now, they consolidated to get bigger and bigger and bigger because they became more and more monoculture. But what we're seeing is a trend back, back to the zig and the zag. The trend is now going back to regenerative farming, to more organic farming, to smaller farms. But the problem is they're not available and they're unaffordable. 
and the price of farms, of course, also skyrocketed with inflation. We did a good move buying a farm 10 years ago. So going into the 10th season of Valhalla, starting April 1st. And, and that decentralized ownership structure can then apply to anything. What about owning a little piece of your membership, right? Like, like owning one of your 150 member spots, whether you have a one person, one vote type of reality, or you, what if you owned a small business on the farm? Like you're the kombucha supplier or you're the egg man, right? You're the garlic king, I, whatever. I you better not be going after garlic king. It's, it's, sorry, take it. It's in the bag. It's in the bag. <laughs> no, but for real, I, I, I think that we need to consider that farms need a way of raising capital ahead of time. And rather than doing it from the perspective of just investing and speculating and giving equity, what if I gave you a stake in the, in the yield? What if I treated it like a commodity, self-presale of a commodity, just like you would pre-sell tickets to a concert like Rufus New Soul, which I so happen to get tickets to today uh, for later this season. Um, that's a pre-sale. It's a commodity. It's a thing. It's a service that's going to happen later. But you bought the tickets now. So why not do the same with farming? What about supply chains that want that? Like, what if I could buy supply chains of, of future semiconductors being built? And I'm Tesla. Isn't that, wouldn't that be valuable? What if you had contracts that you committed to today that were the smart contracts that enabled that to happen and then you could transfer that right from one person to the other? That's where the garlic NFT thing, the NFT, the transfer from people who are buyers or, or uh, uh, sellers to buyers without having to know that person, the decentralized component, the decentralized trust piece. See, when I sell a stock on the stock market and somebody else buys, I don't need to know who that person is, right? I don't need to, um, I just need to know that I got the money and you got the stock, that's it. And there has to be a way or a system that that goes through that's decentralized in sense. But in this case, in the market's case, it's centralized. It's called the New York Stock Exchange. Well, crypto or blockchain, more specifically, allows for that decentralized trust, allowing people to come in and out with a non-fungible token, but fungibly get in or out of their investments while still maintaining the value of it because they could transfer it to somebody else. Because here's the problem. If I do a contract with you and then the contract, when you, you and me fall apart, right? Let's say you leave the farm for whatever reason, because, or let's say you're moving like Kyler, moved to Chilliwack, to BC. There's no reason he moves and it wasn't because of me but he still wanted to work with me. Well, what if all of a sudden his contract and he had built something with me and now it just disintegrates because he leaves and he has no way of selling his stake in it? Well, I think real world asset and it's almost like treating NFTs like they're shares of things. Fractional ownership of, of a geodesic dome, ownership of a row of garlic. That is is going to decentralize the power away from that benevolent dictator in an eco-village case, or at least my version of an eco-village case, into more and more and more of a sovereignty that every single person gets to live and, and, and create their own art, aka what we call freedom culture, to empower and encourage all individuals to spread their unique gifts to the world, and I should add, and get paid to do it by their own volition, to essentially promote entrepreneurship or freelancer, or whatever you want to call it. Okay, I call it entrepreneurship. So that's what's happening at the farm. 
We've got a lot of a lot of infrastructure being built this year. A lot of really good stuff going. I mean, we're well ahead. There, I'm expecting tidal waves of people um, because I think everyone else is zigging and there's a lot of people want to zack. And everyone else is like, really? You guys want to go into the metaverse and talk like a bunch of buy freaking digital art on so I can display it on digital like chains that I can wear around me and NFT conferences where I walk into the metaverse when I'm in real life? What are you talking about? Right? There's like, there's a lot of people interested in that, but man, there's a lot of people interested in like getting out into actual nature and like actually putting their feet in the soil and putting their hands in the soil and doing that kind of stuff too. So there's just this, you know, this polarization of a, of a world where we're going more extreme in one way and therefore more extreme in the other. And Valhalla, which used to come off as like a weird, crazy idea, even to my own mother, now my mother's like, this is brilliant. And I'm not going to go into her personal life and her personal choices, but there's reasons over the last few years that maybe this has now struck her. You can guess what those reasons might be, right? So, decentralized ownership, allowing for fractionalization without necessarily always having to do that at a legal level, meaning the, 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 a, a piece of land can stay under one person's name or one company's name, but then people can come in and out without always having to contact a lawyer. That's what I'm trying to say. Then it becomes more efficient. And then you can get consultants again remotely to help you with that. So you don't always have to consult the high-powered lawyer that understands everything because the way that the game works now works internationally. The way NFTs work doesn't, isn't catered to a specific jurisdiction. Now, each jurisdiction will have its own whatever, and you'll always still need lawyers to some degree. I get it. It's unfortunate. I get it. And I'm lucky I have one in my household, right? But that's where it's going. So this season, we're going to cover trends in the marketplace, trends in investing, tr or at least from my perspective. We're going to cover the farm. We're going to cover decentralization of power and energy. And we're going to talk about content production. We're going to talk about storytelling and we're going to bring on amazing guests. I mentioned Guzo. I mentioned my buddy Malcolm. And we're also, I mentioned Germ and Garlic NFTs. So those are the next couple of episodes lined up. Not going to tell you where else we're going. We do have some amazing guests lined up. It was really, really, really cool. It's going to be a really cool season. We're going to shorten the gap between when we publish... Uh, when we record and when we publish. So that's going to be very interesting too. So we've got a little bit of a push now in April so that we can get a lot of other content out. But then in May, it's record, 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 right as we, you know, we publish as we go. Like very, very, very close to, you know, from one to the other. So you're going to get more topical content as well as what I call help content. Oh, uh, no, sorry. Headline content. Well, also help content. So we're going to do lots of, content production we've got so much in store for you if you're listening to this and you got all the way here you know you should hit that subscribe button you know you should go leave a rating if you're listening to this on spotify or apple or whatever it is please hook a brother up also give kyler a shout out and uh and a follow you'll be seeing him on many of these solo cast episodes which i think will be like one episode a month and then the other three will feature guests and and topics interesting topics or deep dives into specific narrow niche things kind of like minting garlic nfts on OpenSea and what did we have to do for that and by the way we do have an update on how we're going to do that we're actually going to be doing our own platform so we're working on an our checkout system on our own website we've got an e-commerce platform coming out for Valhalla anyway I'm I'm, I'm 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 diving into other topics here I'm trying to wrap this up 
hit subscribe. You know where to freaking find the links and all that stuff. You want to text me, you want to updates for Valhalla, the number is right over here. You want uh, uh, investment updates, you want both, text me and let me know what you would want to add, list you want to be added to. I've got a calendar, a bunch of other stuff. I'm just going to shut up right now. I'll see you in the next episode. Subscribe! Subscribe!